Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. This week's topic is something that absolutely fascinates me. Where does all the time go? Like you, I have those days that go quickly, days that drag on, and others that just seem perfect. But this episode is not about how time helps us emotionally get through the day. Nope. Instead, I want to tackle something that bothers us all. The fact that we believe time is a value and that it is something we own. And we seem to never have enough of it when it comes to work. Our job as leaders is to be aware of the simple fact that we influence others through our actions and inactions, that we shape others' mindsets and we support others' willingness to be satisfied with their efforts and their abilities to be there for themselves and others. Too often, we find ourselves with people around us that just seem to be drains on our energy and prefer to wallow in age-old cliches of time and they just seem to suck the life out of our enthusiasm. I have traditionally surrounded myself with people who do not allow negativity to drive their existence. And when I find myself around such people, well, I tend to annoy them with my obnoxious optimism. And frankly, I kind of like it. I know they'll wonder later, like, why is that guy the way he is? But time. Time is something that seems to curse us. It moves too slowly when we are anxious and too quickly when we are happy. Then in the workplace and sometimes in our own lives, there never seems to be enough of it. Before we explore this week's opportunity to do some smart thinking, I want to actually look at the history of time. For some reason, us humans have been concerned about the time of day forever. And I'm guessing it's because once upon a time, you could have the end of the day surprise you and the sun go down or something like that. I don't know. Keeping track of time though, is first documented by the ancient Greeks around 290 BC when there is a first mention of sundials in ancient scripts. Then, in the 14th century, clocks were invented. As a result, some cultures started to keep track of the day in 24-hour increments. And as time went on, no pun intended, a pendulum clock was invented around 1656, and town centers around the world started to keep track of a regional time, and all the clocks were set in that local community off of the central clock. Once the world became mechanical, specifically the introductions of rail and trains, this became a problem, and the world eventually had hundreds and hundreds of different time zones. The United States during the Civil War had nearly 75 time zones. Heck, in Chicago, they alone had three time zones. As a result of all this, in 1884, the Prime Meridian Conference was held in Washington, (laughs) D.C. Sign me up for that. Anyways, there was agreement to shift the world into 24 time zones, each with a single mean time determined by astronomers at the Royal Observatory in Great Britain. This modernized time as we know it, as years moved on, we started to use that time to break the days down into increments. Then that led to mindsets and now habits. One of those mindsets is that the day is eight hours for work, and that's a five-day work week. And the idea that 40 hours is a benchmark for how much we are supposed to labor is ingrained in us. And if we ever go beyond those 40 hours, well, then we need to be compensated for it or someone is stealing our time. Time is man-made and so are the rules that go along with it. 
which means the mindsets are driven by us. But time, time is something we all agree is precious because it's not infinite, meaning we don't live forever. And if you remember my grandmother Nitsky's saying, we're living on borrowed time, so let's make the most of it. Meaning we need to live every day with zeal and purpose. Time. Why is this an issue? Well, over the course of the last few weeks, I've had the opportunity to be with a lot of different groups of people. And as we are now in what seems like the peak of the pandemic again, I've been asking people to participate in a poll so that I, as a friend, a colleague, and a leader, can support others on their journey into this unknown territory we are once again found in. And the question I ask is, what do you need in order to get through the rest of the school year? or this year? And this is a question I have been asking exclusively to teachers in large groups. Would you like to hear the list of themes? These are from fewest responses to the most. They are asking for patience, support, routines, trust, strength, encouragement, reinforcement, positivity, teamwork, trust, energy, and finally, the one word with the most responses— Time. Time is a very intimate construct. Other than a watch, the time in our day is largely controlled by our choices. Many years ago, I was in a meeting with someone for what seemed like the millionth day in a row, and we were in there as a group. And because it was a meeting with no direction, seemingly no purpose, and no point, we were stuck. However, every time we were there, all of the people would sit around, and there were a few people who would just talk about how they had no time. And they would complain for the first 30 to 45 minutes about not having any time to get anything done. Now, I'm sure you've been in these deeply ironic positions, right? Where no one is seeing the humor that others are spending time talking about time and wasting the same time they are arguing they don't have enough of. Well, I and others finally stopped going to these meetings because we saw the bittersweet irony that the people who were bringing us together without purpose were wasting our time, and heck, we were the problem for just going to it and sitting there. Now, we were the problem, which is the point. When you never seem to have enough time, you need to step back, and with a clear mind and a process, look at what is taking place in your day and find out where all the time is going. What is within your control? What is not? What choices are you making and how can you increase efficiency? Accept what you can't control and learn to manage the precious resources of your day. I find it amazing how so many things that were designed to make us more efficient have actually reduced efficiency and burned up more of our time. Here's my, for instance. If you have a smartphone, you can get analytics that show you your usage. And the next time you are wondering why you don't have time, just maybe check your phone. I think of myself as a pretty efficient person, and in preparing for this podcast, I thought, mm, I'm going to be really transparent with everybody. So, this is what my life is like. I wake up around 5 a.m. each day, and I'm usually in bed and sound asleep by 9 p.m. So, I'm awake for 16 hours a day. Of my 16 hours a day, I average nearly three of those precious hours on my phone which is just shy of 19% of my whole day. Last week, on my phone, I spent six hours and 20 minutes texting, four and a half hours on Facebook, averaged 45 minutes a day talking on the phone, I did 1.5 hours of emailing, one hour browsing on Safari, and I don't even want to share how many hours my phone was playing music. 
let's just say, a lot. When I reviewed that, it hit me pretty hard how much time I could get back in my week while I'm running around complaining. I mean, I spent four and a half hours on Facebook. I didn't even realize that at all. And I'm really not on Facebook that much. At least, I didn't think I was. I was on Twitter for an additional three hours, Instagram for another hour, and Snapchat for 30. Not hours. Minutes. I'm too old to be on that one. If you add that all up, I was literally on social media for the equivalent of a full workday. So before I complain, I don't have any time in my day and wish people would give me more time, I need to look inward first. And I think you do too. Now, how do we do that if we don't have our phones capturing every other thing that we're doing? Well, we got to go old school, people, and we have to do a time study on ourselves. Now, the phone can help us capture our use of technology. Even your computer will tell you how much time you've been on your own computer. But what about your actual day? The things that we can control, the things we have to do. If every minute is as valuable as we say it is, especially when we are frustrated, then how can we become leaner about the use of our time and reduce the waste that is within our own control? After all, the majority of you listening are professionals with a great deal of autonomy. We don't work on assembly lines like in the 1920s where we do repeated actions with no control over our day and time and someone's standing over us telling us exactly what to do. Most of us have the ability to determine how we will hit our objectives within the day, how we will manage our time, and what we're going to do with the resources we have. However, I realize that a few people in the world have convinced themselves that they have no time, that others are taking their time, and they have no control. While some of that is real, when I did a quick reflection of where my evenings and weekends were going, well, they're apparently being used to watch videos of racing, stream TED Talks, look at funny videos, and then text them to my friends. I mean, I spent six hours texting and four and a half hours Facebooking. Now, some of that is for work, granted, but when I look back at my texts, well, there's a lot of playful exchanges between me and my brother, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, my friends. I mean, a lot. So what if we put in place a process to review our time usage during the day? When I was a principal, I was introduced to a time audit process, and I used it to support others who were struggling with this very issue, especially with their perception of and their use of time. And I'm going to skip to the punchline here. Once you review your time choices during the day, you're going to be fascinated how much waste there is, what you intentionally choose to do, and how quickly we find ourselves blaming others for taking all of our time. Now, there are two sides to this coin. There are a lot of obligations we have that we are frustrated with and may not have or feel the relevance for ourselves in that work. Those objections or concerns are real and they're fair. However, tracking one week of your life without emotion and reviewing how you use your time, that's really critical. Thoughts without evidence are opinions. They're not facts. Yet we will fuel our beliefs with the opinions that we don't have any time. And we will make those opinions facts in our own minds and then spin a dangerous narrative of blame, blame towards everyone else. The process. The process I'll have for you is a time audit tool, and it'll be in this week's TH3. But I'm going to explain it here. It's a 16-hour chart, because I assume you sleep. The chart is a Sunday through Saturday chart, and the boxes are large enough for you to write or shade in what you had done each hour of those 16 hours of your day. It's not a schedule of what was supposed to happen. Instead, it is intended for you to take one minute, one minute, 
at the end of every hour of your day to capture what you just did for that last 60 minutes. And then to compile the end of it into a bar graph at the end of the day that identifies where you allocated your time and how you used it. There are three categories that will be on that bar graph. Of your 16 hours, how much of it was intentional work time? Your control. How much of it was obligations for others? Not within your control. And how much of it was unstructured or wasted? It's a time chart that needs one thing to be truly accurate. Integrity. Integrity from you. Here's why. We all justify our behaviors and are really quick to rationalize our choices while at the same time judging others and blaming those same people. I do it. You do it. We all do it. It's our nature. When you have an hour of planning time in your day and you spend 35 minutes of it talking to a colleague, 10 minutes of it thumbing through Facebook, 9 minutes texting, and then you're left with 6 precious minutes, it's pretty easy to get upset when someone else asks you what you're doing or someone else takes the time from your planning and expects you to go to a meeting or you have to extend your day or you have to take the work home. Integrity is so key that one time when I was coaching a colleague, they couldn't even be honest with themselves or me. They couldn't recall certain parts of their day when I would politely challenge their assumptions. They'd become defensive. And frankly, I think they acquired amnesia when I would ask certain questions. They couldn't remember It got to the point where I actually had to have someone follow that person around for three days and track how they use their time. And the outcome was quite frustrating to that person. Time tracking and audits are common practices in certain industries and professions. And they don't do it for catching people. They're not employed so that the company can make more money or force people to work more. They're almost exclusively done in an effort to understand the root of the complaint. The complaint of... I don't have any time. Now, my entire professional career, I've heard this complaint from my colleagues, from those I've served, from people around me. I've also learned that the greatest waste for professionals is not money, resources, or materials. It's always the same thing. Time. We are all creatures who prefer to have fun, talk to others, and complain to see if others are experiencing the same things, if my experiences are unique, shared, or normal. But yet, we need to really look at our allocation of time. Now, once you do a time study and it's done, we can review processes to determine what can be done about it in the future. And while I have been implying that we waste a lot of time, there are many instances when others are wasting time on our behest and without our permission, or worse, without our control. And that, that is why there are three areas you measure. Intentional, obligations, and unstructured. When you do your time study, it is critical to be honest because there is one area that other leaders can support you with, especially if you have evidence and data, and that is the category of obligations. We can all get lost hanging out in the bathroom if we get stuck on Facebook or Instagram. Sorry, but it's true. However, when others obligate us to be in meetings, to be in places, to do things for others that are not our choice, well, that time That time has usually been reserved to plan, prepare, or work. Well, if it's taken, it's frustrating and it's very disengaging. Worse yet is when all of that time that you set aside for yourself to meet professional obligations becomes obligated by someone else, which is why we need to begin to collect for ourselves the data. Let's say you're in the classroom and you have a 90-minute preparatory period a day 
and it's obligated for you to plan, correct, prepare, answer emails, and your 90 minutes is riddled, riddled with obligations you weren't planning on. Let's say that that seven hours and 30 minutes per week of planning time that are technically reserved come back looking like this. Now, some weeks may sound like this. One hour and 15 minutes in an IEP, four hours subbing for others, 45 minutes helping another sub prepare, one hour and 30 minutes for a team grade level or department meeting, and 30 minutes left for planning. Well, this is some very powerful data to bring back to your system and demonstrate the need for some relief and support. And every principal I know of worth is going to see that and close off the valves that are interfering in your day, or at least try and be prepared to answer the question, what can I do to help you so that they can support you and your time? Now, the integrity part comes into play when you and we have days where we audit the day and we learn that one day we spent 50 minutes in the lounge chatting and eating chili queso, or we found ourselves in the office for 20 minutes chatting and gossiping with the administrative assistant, or we sat at our desk on Facebook and lost track of time because of those funny memes that our friends post. Now, I'm not implying that everyone wastes time, but we are humans after all, and we work with chatterers and sometimes we get sucked in my entire career i've heard that we don't have any time and when are we supposed to do this and when is that supposed to be done stop talking start working <laughs> sorry but time is the great vortex that we get sucked into especially complaining about it and many times we have obligations that get in our way and sometimes we have distractions now either way we need to know what they are and reflect upon how we use our time. If you support others that feel trapped and say they have no time, share this process and expect them to follow it so that you can have a real conversation about it. And then as their leader, look to see what obligations you can shift or reduce for them. If they find themselves with hours of weekly distractions, then they need to come to the realization that they can control some of the problem. I think I think if we're truly honest with ourselves, it's a combination of obligations and distractions that will emerge on certain days. And frankly, that's perfectly all right, because we need to be distracted on occasion. We need to take breaks on occasion from the work. However, we can't then take those choices, the choices we make to distract ourselves. And then as a result of using that time, blame others for the professional obligations and expectations that are there. We all do it. I do it. Everyone I know does it, but we also need to become painfully aware that this man-made idea of time and schedules is a curse that we have to figure out how to navigate without blame. You can be a cow and be a victim of the things you can and can't control, or you can be a buffalo and charge into the realities that we face as a result of our own choices. I say, charge into the time issue you face. Start tracking it. Make others aware of how they can help you and minimize your distractions. I can tell you right now that after reviewing my screen time to prepare for this episode, I am intentionally starting to feel really guilty on Facebook. And what will you do once you review your time choices, especially the ones you make? So let's do some smart thinking. Describe where you believe you have gaps that you can close with distractions. Reflect upon your daily use of time and think about if you can employ the process. And if you can't, list a process you can employ to review your own time. That's it. 
That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening and please share this episode with others and make sure to review this episode on your platform. Thank you to the Well Pennies for the great music and please make sure to follow them on any of your musical platforms. I hope you hear the smart thinking is just that. Think about your time and how you allocate it. Use it and where you put it in the three simple categories I suggested. Intentional time, obligations for others, and unstructured or distracted time. You will be amazed how much time you can reallocate if you choose to. The other thing is you may not decide to change a darn thing, but you may shift your mindset. You may need to hang out with others or just stare out the window and listen to music during your planning period or your day, and then shift your professional and intentional work to the evening or the weekend, and those are our choices. Data does not have a heartbeat, so it does not deserve an emotional response. And once you become aware of how you allocate time, you may very well decide to do nothing. Or you may feel a renewed sense to become leaner with what you do with your time. Finally, after I looked at my screen time allocation on my phone, I decided to grab my phones that we let the kids use. Did you hear what I did there? Anyway, both kids have over 25 hours a week on social media platforms alone. I immediately went into judgment dad mode. And then I realized, back in the 80s when I was their age, I probably spent that same amount of time on the phone talking to friends, cruising around or just walking around, hanging out at McDonald's and finding other ways to waste away the boring days of my teenage years. Time is something we have high ownership of. We are defensive about and we are quick to judge others for how they use it or what they impose upon us. Some of us lack empathy about it, and some of us need to be educated on the obligations we impose on others and ourselves. So this week, take a new look at this man-made idea of time. Track it, reflect, and charge into the restrictions around you by advocating for yourself with evidence and changing your own behaviors to capture these precious minutes. Either way, it's your choice. Those are our minutes, and we need to make the most of each and every one of them by charging into what is bothering us. And that, that is a great use of time. There you stand in the cradle of a wonderland. You imagine any way you can, anything that's better than just hold my hand. Won't you jump on in? It may be the only thing that ever redeems Go and do the rivers right in front of you There's a magic in the mess you make Cause you're a remnant of a golden age You turn a spark into a flame Don't fade away Won't you jump on in You beautiful thing It may be the only thing that ever redeems Go and do The river's right in front of you we crumble from all that was freeze the pain.
You remember every storyline Every molecule that fills your mind You can't leave it all behind Just take your time Won't you jump on in You beautiful thing It may be the only thing that ever redeems Go and do The river's right in front of you Right. The river's right